Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Musical Splaining Podcast. I am your host and air conditioning lover, Kavitaharian, because I don't like it hot. I like it cold. And I uh, am just, again, the queen of hot, sweaty dumps. You know, just nothing but perspiration <laughs> nonstop. Like Basically, dumps. <laughs> that part in Amelie where she melts into a puddle, like that's me, but with like dumps in it. I'm Angelina Meehan. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, this is Musical Splaining, or a Musical Splaining podcast where we talk about my shits. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, no. <laughs> Astonishingly, we don't uh, talk about mine. I don't know how that worked out, but you know. Such as you it know, is. This is just got, this is this is finally women getting a chance to stand up. That's for true. And you I'm know what? This is your hashtag girl boss. <laughs> you're some young girl will listen to this podcast and be like, I will grow up to talk about my dumps on a podcast when I grow up. God bless her. <laughs> I'm girl bossing potty humor. I, this is what I <laughs> dreamed of all those years ago as a kid. Uh, but yeah. So speaking of uh, hot things, the news of the Tony nominations uh, just dropped yesterday and at the top of the list, getting 13 nominations is the show Some Like It Hot. Some and Like friends, It Hot. And that is what we are discussing today. Apparently yes. more than some like it hot. Many like it hot. I'm just many, killing it today apparently with the like terrible it quite puns. Hot. Yes, many could do All like it hot. these people at the Tony Awards. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so we are, like again, we are seeing a show live. We are very lucky this season very to exciting. kind of get the chance to do this again. So very excited for that. This is the front runner for the Tony season. Um <laughs> like I just make up for it. We recorded this like right after we recorded part one of Bad Cinderella, which uh, received zero. So I think we're we're hitting the gamut of um <laughs> yeah we're going uh, the, of everything. This the uh, as as Lindsay used to say the two genders as she would say right <laughs> right uh, which that's a, an interesting segue into uh, what this show is. Some like which it I actually did so, not know. We we talked about this briefly before we started yes. recording because I mixed it up because I haven't seen many Marilyn Monroe movies and I was like, isn't this the one where the husband's by himself and then like the family leaves for the summer. And that was a different, I was confusing it with seven year itch. So actually I don't know anything about some like it hot, which is a surprise. Cause it's a Billy Wilder movie. That's all I really know about it. So I feel like I should have known more about this one, but I don't know it. Yeah. It's a big one. It's um, it, it is uh, one of the first movies inducted, inducted into uh, the national film registrar. It was like one of the first like 20 movies put in there. Um, it's kind of w- one of the big movies that got the Hayes code kind of like as the Hayes code was dying out, like, it was kind of like the last death knell for this movie coming out because it was not approved by the Hayes Code. And it made like I think it was like on a five million dollar budget. It grossed like 40 million dollars in 1959. So, like, uh, you know, kind of get the middle finger to the Hayes Code uh, for those kids who don't know it. The Hayes Code was basically the front runner to the movie rating system we had today where it said you can't have fun in movies. Basically, it was, uh, <laughs> was FDR's attempt to try and unite the country during the Great Depression and to try and make sure that movies uh, sort of had this positive message in them. That's Jimmy Stewart becomes Jimmy Stewart as a result of the Hayes Code, essentially. This Christ right. figure is what they kept saying as somebody who's like... Like very well, you, Catholic values, yeah. you know, all bad guys got to get punished, no like sex, no anything queer in it, nothing like... Yeah. Nothing. So if Which, you're wondering why a lot of American yeah. movies... <laughs> From that era or like in a specific way. Although yeah. I will say it does breed a lot of interesting creative workarounds in it. I'm always interested when they have, it's like uh, communist Russia. Like Casablanca, or, for example. Yeah, yeah, or like, like, stuff like, like is, yeah, metaphoric storytelling is, is sort of pushed in an interesting way, which is not, I don't think that a code is good, but often the ways that creativity really flourishes is when you put them in these weird con- constraints and this thing that people really want to express has to come out in some way. So a lot of, uh, I guess, queer coded stuff starts from there. 
stuff yeah, that you can't yeah, yeah. really explicitly say. So, you know, it's, it's not good in terms of expression, but it is interesting in terms of like the way yes. that people work around it and they really get to just see the artistic genius of some of these people. Anyway, that's a whole other side story of it <laughs> yeah. that I think is interesting. This is, this but, is not a uh, movie splaining. This is not Hayes code splaining. Yes. I'm sure that would make a fascinating podcast. Hayes code splaining. So. Yeah. Put that, I, uh, put that I know in your a fair pocket. amount about it. I had to take a, I did to take a graduate class about the history of comedy. I was, I was wondering. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> like, we got, I was like, we got I assume you know a lot deep. more than me. I know like I, the yeah, basic I, <laughs> ideas. I wrote, this is my claim to fame on a side note was that I had to write a, a like a 25 page paper when I was in school and it was comparing movies that came out after the 2009 market crash and comparing them to movies that came out during the peak of the mm. Hayes Code. One of them was Paul Blart Mall Cop, funny enough, because it made like $150 <laughs> million in like January of 2009, sure. which was totally like insane and had never happened. So I wrote an academic paper about Paul Blart Mall Cop for those of you who think that, uh, you know, you can't follow your I dreams. I want to read this. I had to do that. So it was a good paper. <laughs> like, it was a good paper, actually. That sounds incredible. No, no. I, I want to read the <laughs> hell out of that. That You can make that a Patreon exclusive right there to put that yeah, up. Yeah, right. I uh, just me reciting it. <laughs> <laughs> right. Just a video of anyway, you reading your But yes, uh, yes. Paul I, Blart. I have anyway, quite a lot of yes. thoughts of the Hayes Code. Yes. But moving along. So uh, this, I don't know. So this is a new show. This is a brand new show. Yes. Yeah. And um, I guess we'll get into it when we get into the notes. But for a lot of reasons the plot kind of needed some updating because it's one of those mm -hmm. things where comedy does not age well even though there's a lot of things to really love about the movie i just rewatched it like there's a lot of great stuff in it there's just some some things of it have not aged terribly well and with this this new musical coming out the book writers uh and the lyricist and mark shaman the composer have all kind of tried to update it i don't know how mm -hmm. successfully it is because i know literally nothing about this show but mm -hmm. um yeah like we'll get into more in the notes so i guess with that let's just get should we just go into the notes then let's just go into the notes some Like It Hot is a musical comedy with music by Mark Shaman, lyrics by Scott Whitman and Shaman, and a book by Matthew Lopez and Amber Ruffin. Now, I have seen enough musicals to remember that they did Frozen and a bunch of other really famous stuff, right? No, Mark. Oh, that's 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 very I, I get what you're coming from. So Mark Shaman, Scott Whitman um, are a songwriting pair. They done Hairspray. Hairspray is probably their most notable. Hairspray? Uh Musical, Matthew yeah. so Lopez we have and Amber Ruffin, are they not the, the husband and wife team that did? No, 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 they're not. You're thinking of um, Richard Lopez and his wife, Kristen, something who have done Frozen. Okay, so the Lopez was the thing that I was thinking of. Yes. But okay. that, that, <laughs> now it's my turn to be like, excuse me. I'm you. not terrible, but <laughs> it was, so it is a Lopez. I'm not totally off. All right, that's the it last time I try and like yeah. think that I know anything, but my bad. Um, no, 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 you're good. <laughs> uh, but yes, go ahead. Okay, it is based on the 1959 <laughs> Billy Wilder film of the same title, which is in turn based on the 1935 French film Fanfare of Love. Oh, I didn't know that. Uh, set in the heyday of the Prohibition era, Some Like It Hot tells the story of two jazz musicians, saxophonist Joe and bassist Jerry. After being down and out on their luck, the two musicians get on the wrong side of the powerful mob boss, Spats Columbo. What a name. Uh, right, after accidentally right. witnessing a hit job on another gangster who Colombo believes is an FBI informant. This has very Dumb and Dumber vibes to it. Oh, sure. <laughs> honestly. <laughs> that um. seems kind of like a similar setup. Not the hit job, but that yeah. same kind of thing where they think that they're on the run from the criminal. Joe and Jerry come across Sweet Sue and her all-woman big band on the way to play their last show in San Diego. Thus, Joe and Jerry hatch the plan to disguise themselves as women, Josephine and Daphne, and join the ensemble as a cover from Spats Columbo's Wrath. Amidst all the chaos, Joe also finds himself falling for the band's lead singer, Sugar Kane, who has lofty dreams of Hollywood stardom. Will Joe and Jerry manage to avoid the wrath of Spats Columbo? Will Sugar Kane ever get to see herself on the silver screen? All this and more in some... Like it. Hot. 
Some Like It Hot was originally scheduled to have its out-of-town engagement in Chicago at the Cadillac Palace Theater, but was later announced that the engagement was canceled following the COVID-19 shutdown. Man, they just there's Another so many one? of these that we've had. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like it's like yeah, the sixth yeah. one in a row where we're just like, it had to get shut down because of COVID. Yep. Um, the show began previews at the Schubert Theater on Broadway on November 1st, 2022, with an opening night on December 11th. As of yesterday, it is now, which not yesterday by the time you're listening to this, but as of a few weeks ago, yeah. it is now a front runner <laughs> show for an award season, scooping up 13 Tony nominations, including Best Show and the first Tony nomination for one of its producers, Mariah Carey. Yeah. <laughs> the same. So, yeah, if you've ever wow. wanted to see Mariah Carey win a Tony, this is this is now the chance where we might be living in history for that. But yes, uh, the the big front runner here. So, uh, yeah, I, I am like a lot of people are I'm getting kind of like um, the producers vibes when I read all the positive reviews about it, that mm-hmm. it's this big, lush, like kind of ode to like 30s jazz and, you know, big tap dancing numbers, you know, big production, that sort of thing. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, kind of that, that always kind of seems to hit a sweet spot with people, and okay. um, I'm just a yeah. I, I kind of people I kinda really see love tap coming from, especially they do love like, tap. Yeah. Sarah's a fucking just animal for tap dancing. You just put on tap really? dancing, and she just is like, <laughs> it's like a cat with catnip. She'll just sit and watch tap dancing till the cows come home. Oh my gosh! Well, now you have to pick up tap dancing if you ever like want to make sure you get attention. I right? got the like, legs for it. You know, I'm, I'm I've been trying <laughs> to get shredded, so I could probably do it. <laughs> just get shredded through tap. That is a way to save a very like I want to I want a screwball romantic comedy that is about you learning how to do tap dancing to get back. Uh, Yet another uh, musical that we're going to produce at some point. Yeah, that's right. going to be all these different yeah. variants. I love that so many people want to have stories about me doing something. I'm very flattered by that. I feel like <laughs> I don't I don't propose the same thing in the opposite direction to be like I want to see a musical about Angie taking sweaty dumps after she met uh, George R. R. Martin. Dumps, Although I would like, yeah. Dumps. <laughs> Exclamation point dumps. Well, dumps. you know what? This is why we have this podcast so we can have our main character syndrome play out in real time. Um, yeah. It's that's the only reason why I do it. But um, I can kind of see why they made this into a musical because um, you're going to go watch the movie too to give context yes. to the show. I'm excited. I'm embarrassed that I two. did not see this one before, especially because it's a Billy Wilder joint. But especially when you're in grad school, it's like there's so many movies that you have to end up watching and there's only so much time and you end up just falling through the cracks and not seeing certain classics just because of the sort of practicality of it all. Well, I would say it definitely lends itself well to the format of a musical because there's a lot of, you know, diegetic song numbers in it because, you know, there is a big band that is a huge part yeah. of it. There's a lot of Marilyn Monroe singing, being like, I want to be loved by you, you know. So, mm-hmm. like, you could kind of see where the idea comes from. Um, I think it, it behooves uh, us to say that there is a little bit of controversy about this show. And it kind yeah. of comes in a long run of controversy of just, um, I guess... How do I put this uh, succinctly and with respect? Um, So the show Mm -hmm. does involve drag as a plot point in terms of like men being in women's spaces. And we live in a hell world right now where that is a false narrative being used by uh, Republicans to demonize uh, transgender and gender nonconforming people. So I understand the hesitancy with which people are some people are approaching the show. Um, Mm -hmm. Apparently, from what I've heard of the book rewrites, there's a lot that's going on, not just to kind of delve deeper into actual, you know, gender expression and gender euphoria. But they also play, um, I guess, with like because uh, a lot of the characters are rewritten to be black in this, too, uh, mm-hmm. as black Americans. So to play with uh, also the uh, aspect of race, too. So I'm very curious to see what what goes on here, because I will say up front, Hollywood, not Hollywood, but also Hollywood. Broadway has had a bit of a trouble um, in depicting gender nonconforming and transgender people uh, in the past. So I get the hesitancy and we are both trying to approach this, you know, with yeah. that in mind. Of course. Yeah. 
uh, do you think the fact that it's nominated for 13 Tonys just based on the surface mm. or just based on just looking at it, do you think that means that they probably did a successful job or do the Tonys tend to be fucking tone deaf or h- how does that really play out? Or is there no clear answer about that? There's no clear answer. Um, the, the Tonys are kind of like the Oscars in some ways where you kind mm-hmm. of have like older people who are like behind a lot of these nominations. Do you who, think they might have missed the point completely? <laughs> just like that it's I a 1930s thing I think they either missed the point maybe? completely or maybe it's just like the lack of like, well, it's mostly cisgender people. So there's blind spots in terms of like, oh, this is actually like either offensive or kind of outdated or they see it as like because I know some people I've, you know, some opinions have been that it's really like, you know, a celebration of this. And some people have said, no, this mm-hmm. is just doing the same old tired like tropes all over again. So I have no idea. And, you know, obviously I'm coming at this from the point of view of a cisgendered woman. So mm-hmm. my opinion, you know, only goes so far. But I am curious to see what it is, you know, like what yeah, is yeah. made out of this, because. There's been a lot of like trouble with like, oh, Mrs. Doubtfire, the musical and Tootsie, the musical and both of those like I don't think approach the topic with the same sensitivity and also subsequently mm-hmm. did not run very long. But um, yes, I'm interested to see what happens. And I just wanted to be, I think, upfront about that you sure. know, yeah, you know, yeah, of course. in approaching the show. So, yeah, I just uh, with that in mind, I am very interested in seeing what goes on here. Um, Amber Ruffin is Seth Meyers' uh partner, I believe. And she's oh, also the, a writer it, okay. for yes, the, yes, 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 yes. <laughs> okay. I yeah. know exactly who Amber Ruffin is now. I didn't, in yes, the context yeah, yeah. of reading uh, it with, uh, with Lopez before, I just was like, I guess that's his wife from Pros and those people, but sure. no, you're right. Now I'm, no, it's Ma- all Matthew catching Lopez up to me is a, Matthew Lopez. That's who I'm thinking of. Yes. yes that's okay. Robert yeah, yeah. Lopez is the Avenue Q guy. Matthew Lopez is the, uh, one of the book writers for this. And he's also got it, got it. a, I, I think he's a Pulitzer winning playwright. He's definitely, he's definitely a popular, uh, queer playwright. So, um, I'm, uh, very interested to see what they make of this book. And from what I've heard, the performances are fantastic. Uh, I think one of the first, the first, Non-binary person has been nominated for a lead Tony, no, a supporting oh, no Tony shit. award for this. Okay, yeah, That's yeah, cool. yeah, yeah. So, so there's a lot going on, and all that said, I am excited to see it. Seems like it's cutting edge. On uh, hopefully, it's cutting edge. <laughs> We'll find out. We'll see. We'll see if they actually do a good job. But yeah. Well, but that said, yeah, let's uh, let's go to our break and go watch the show and come back. Unfortunately, we won't be seeing it together. We'll be seeing it separately. No, I wish. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we will have fun talking about it and putting our brains together. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Go to break. Woo. If you're like me, you're absolutely incensed by climate change and often feel hopeless about even being able to do anything about it. I mean, sure, I recycle and try to carpool when I can, but honestly, it doesn't ever feel like it's enough. That's why I'm so excited about today's sponsor, Ren. Ren is a website where you can calculate your carbon footprint, then offset it by funding a diverse mix of carbon reduction projects like tree planting, mineral weathering, and rainforest protection. By answering a few questions about your lifestyle, you can find out your carbon footprint and how to reduce it. As a Californian with a strong interest in not burning to death, I was very excited to learn about the Biochar Project. This project removes flammable dead wood from California's forests to stop wildfires, then turns the wood into biochar, a stable form of carbon that persists for thousands of years. It's really fantastic, and as much as I love and am thankful to all of our firefighters here, I'd rather have them not have to battle these absolutely insane hellscapes year-round. Let's give them a break, you guys. Once you sign up to make a monthly contribution to offset your carbon footprint, you'll receive monthly updates from the projects you support and get to see what your money is spent on with photos and details on every tree planted, every acre reforested, every ton of carbon offset. Honestly, it's just genuinely awesome. Now, normally I don't get this personally invested in people following our sponsor links, but 
The first 100 people who sign up by going to ren.co slash start slash musicalsplaining, by the way, that's ren, W-R-E-N, will have 10 extra trees planted in their name. Just think about it. That's enough to set up five different hammocks. Incredible stuff. Again, go to ren.co slash start slash musicalsplaining and help these hammocks and also, I guess, the environment get up and running. We are back. We are so back. I am just, uh, we are the tippy tap twins here. I am just like. <laughs> my, I am 100% going to make a shirt called the tippy tap twins with the pictures of our faces on it. We need to make this happen immediately. Absolutely need to make that happen. Because I, I it's heard like, that It's like, you heard like, of the disgusting brothers. We're the tippy tap <laughs> twins. <laughs> We're the tippy tap twins. Uh, the disgusting brothers are disgusting and we tippy tap as we do. No, my feet are um like hurting after sitting and watching all that tap dancing i am just like you ever you ever feel like i mean every day i'm like i feel the weight of my age on me but then when i go and see (laughs) when i go and see a show with that much like dancing in it i'm just like i am so old i am so out of shape i'm just like and that was the only takeaway i took from the show so that's the the episode goodbye uh bye (laughs) so thanks for listening guys you know some like it hot lots of tap dancing we felt old let us know your thoughts in the comments yes anyway yes (laughs) <laughs> Tell me where your favorite discount breakfast is. Um, I, I want to hear it all. So, yes, we got back from seeing Some Like a Hot. We, of course, I think we mentioned this in the first act, uh, saw it separately. Um, yes. I literally like just saw it. And then you saw it last I saw it about a month were, ago. <laughs> was it a month ago? Yeah, it was, like, oh, it was already a month ago. Yeah, <laughs> unfortunately. So, but I did watch the film last night when you were watching the show. So right, we're kind of right, on opposite right. ends of the spectrum of who remembers which one, which piece of media uh, more recently. Yeah, it should be a fun time uh, piecing it all together. But yeah. yes, so I guess right off the bat, I want to say um, I saw it with uh, an understudy. So I saw uh, both Christian Borle and um, Jay Harrison Gee and Kevin DeGia, who are kind of like the big people, in, 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 uh, Natasha and Yvette uh, Williams, who are kind of like the big members of big this cast. Yeah. Uh, I saw Shurikane's understudy or one of the swings, Caleb Heccioni. I think that's how I said it. And I just have mm-hmm. to say, one of my favorite things in the world is when you see an understudy or a swing and they are just so good that you're like, nice. Holy balls. Like, how are you not like a household <laughs> name balls. talented? Like, insanely good because like everyone I mentioned before this like the names I just listed off are they either have a lot of big you know press for this show around their names Mm -hmm. like J. Harrison Gee in particular and Christian Borle's kind of like the biggest name in this show but it's always really nice when you see an understudy just like eat like for lack of a better word just like stop that stage and just own it so I have to give major props to to uh Miss Miss Kayla uh Peccioni here because she knocked it out of the park and was so good as Angie mentioned, or as we both mentioned, we watched the film, obviously, and the musical. We're here to discuss the musical more so than the film, but using the film more as context. Uh, there are some slight differences between the two, but not anything big, I don't think. Yeah, there's nothing There's nothing big in terms of, like, plot. All of the changes are, like, very, sm- for the most part, pretty or small, subtle. but significant, you know? Yeah, like, they're, they're small, more in terms of what they choose to expand on rather than all of a sudden being like, well, now it takes place in the, you know, 1990s or something. It's not... Right. It more or less keeps the same conflict. Yeah. Um, and then I think 
in my opinion, I don't know how you felt about it because we haven't discussed it, but I think it, it sort of does a good job of of blowing up certain parts of it in a way that I thought was pretty good. Me too. No, I think we're in this probably going to be on the same page yeah. about it. I was actually like pretty like because I went in like with like a lot of things we talked about in the first act kind of mm-hmm. in mind. And on the whole, I was like, wow, OK, cool. Like they actually yeah. did this in a really thoughtful, fun while keeping it still like a fun, like lighthearted night of theater. I'm like I, I was like very very impressed with it on the whole but yeah so yeah let's just let's just get right into it okay so it's the story of uh joe and jerry these two dudes um i think originally in the film it's in like the prohibition era which i guess technically still it's prohibition era but it's a little bit later in the musical it's the 1930s which yeah i think is a smart move because then you get to have like all of these beautiful deco sets and costumes and oh the really, sets are so <laughs> yeah, gorgeous. Yeah. <laughs> gorgeous yeah uh so yeah it's 1930s chicago at the towards the end of prohibition and we meet joe and jerry who are two jazz musicians uh joe plays the upright bass and jerry oh no joe plays the saxophone and jerry plays the upright bass and they uh the one of the changes to the uh plot here is that joe is jerry's adopted brother and that like cuz like yeah. joe, joe's parents were sketchy and kind of abandoned him and Jerry lived across Mm -hmm. the hallway and his family took him in and uh, textually Joe is white and Jerry is black so that is one of the I think of the big changes here like uh, that that context is added to it but they love each other they also are both like tap dancers on top of of jazz musicians multi hyphenates Uh, yes they they are they're polyglots they are multi-talented twins but they are basically like Wherever one goes, the other goes, you know, and yeah. that's like a very important thing, like that they have that mutual love bro for each as other, fuck, as we would bro, say, bro as fuck, <laughs> ride well, or these, die. <laughs> these bros as fuck uh, as they do in the movie, um, witness a hit by a famous Chicago gangster, Spats, Spats Colombo, <laughs> which is such a good name. It's a great like, name. Spats Colombo uh, and they are the only witnesses to this murder and immediately are like oh gosh we have to book it out, out of, here. of town they're struggling to get work by the way this yes, is, I think we yes. say this. they're struggling to get work they hear about this all women's band that's going yeah. around the country playing and they need a sweet bassist Sue and a saxophonist and society and they're like, syncopator yeah. they're like fuck we play bass and, and uh, sax we should totally be it and they're like sorry you guys aren't ladies and they're just like fucking hashtag men's rights activism this right. is reverse racist sexism we hate everybody we're gonna go on twitter right um <laughs> not Wait, really. speaking of modernizing uh, it. yeah right <laughs> yeah uh but yeah, so they basically they decide, okay, you know what? We're going to join Sweet Sue and the Society Syncopators. We're going to, you know, hide from uh hide from uh, the mob because they witnessed the murder. Yeah, they're right. just like we're going to fucking kill you. They're like, "Oh shit, now we have no choice but to go undercover. This is our best alibi or not alibi, but this is our best option of like escaping a very uh, you know, fucking, I don't know, uh what's it called? Like not nuns on the run, the other one, sister act oh, kind oh, of sister like, act, yeah. No, but nuns on the run was the same thing where it's like, we got to go undercover in this thing. Right. And right. So people don't recognize us. So we're hiding from the mob pit because we witnessed it. It's like a sort of very, uh, clash, classic trope of, of, um, yeah. a film structure, uh, yeah. story structure. So they joined this band. And then the big thing on this, uh, that I thought structurally in terms of plot that they end up doing is it ends up being kind of like a road, Yes. Movie, yeah, yeah. As opposed to be, I'm sorry, a road musical as opposed to in the film where they just go straight to Florida. They change it from Florida to San Diego, which ironically is where I was looking this up last night, where the hotel that they end up being in in the film is in, it's actually in San Diego. It's in <laughs> Coronado. Um, oh, wow. <laughs> so in the musical, they change it to be like, well, we're heading to San Diego and they're on a train. And so they just go play a bunch of shows, which is a nice way of incorporating um, a bunch of musical numbers because they just go to different places and put on yeah. shows. Yeah. 
it's a nice way of kind of like building out the characters a little bit more like uh, and then the other big change is like they don't go south because it is 1930s and uh, uh, Sweet Sue and both Sugarcane, who we haven't talked about yet, uh, are also black. And there is a joke about like, I'm not going down south. It's 1933 right, right, right. to that. Um, and so that like it, it is like a very like one like clever way of contextualizing like what is going on with these characters and two like, yes, getting to build them out and having like more of like a ro- the first act is like a road trip. Yeah. story where we get to know these characters and sit with them a little bit more. And so, uh, as I said, we also meet Sugarcane, who is the lead singer of the Sweet Sue and the Society Syncopators. I just love saying it so much. Sweet Sue and the Society <laughs> Syncopators so much. She's the lead singer. She has a problem uh, finding a man who will stay faithful to her. Yeah, but she, she loves uh, a saxophonist. A, she loves saxophone. Yeah, exactly. Like, that's the that's the funny thing is she loves saxophone. And, like, right off the bat, Joe is just like, oh, my God, like, struck oh, no. by... Yeah, yeah, he's just, like, in love with her. And she's in this band, but her real dream is she wants to be in Hollywood and, like, she wants to be a star because the, the movies are very significant to her and, like, she just wants to be a part of that. Elsewhile, as this is happening, uh, when these two introduce themselves, this is kind of like... It, it's not a change from the movie, but it's how it's played differently that is mm-hmm. very tremendous to me, is the joke in the, in the first movie is that... So Joe becomes Josephine and Jerry is supposed to be Geraldine, but instead introduces um, themselves to uh, the uh, group of women as Daphne mm-hmm. by their own volition yeah. is like, chooses the name Daphne. And then we see that Daphne uh, becomes like more and more important to Jerry. Like it's not just like a ruse. Like Daphne is slowly yeah. like learning that like she likes being Daphne and it's done in like, just like a very gradual, like yeah, yeah. just small things kind of way. But so like, that's kind of like, Basically, the fir- the thrust of most of the first act is like mm-hmm. Joe and Jerry come to like being in each other's company, and uh, Daf- uh, Jerry is realizing that Daphne is is, is it, he like likes being Daphne, um, yeah. and so re- realizing certain things about themselves and the way that people yes. look at them and sort of like how they approach them differently, which yes. Uh, it's odd these days because you're just like women are categorically not treated as well, but there's something that's kind of like, I don't know, I guess the feminine energy that they, you know, sort of are embodied in suddenly makes them understand something about themselves or accept some part of themselves. Yeah. I guess it's, it's mostly because it's like around other women. Sorry. It's not like about the win. (laughs) It's not like men calling them and being like, I'm going to murder you. It's more like, you know, being around women and and being accepted in that. It sort of unlocks something in themselves. That's, That's what's interesting about it. It does do the same thing that the movie does too, where no one is ever like questioning them as women, like mm-hmm. even more so to this extent that it's just kind of like, there's no like, wait a minute. Everyone's just kind of like, okay, here you guys are. You better play. Yeah. Don't fuck up. Don't drink and don't bring men back into like that, that sort of thing. Um, but then, so yeah, we sit with them for a while and it's mostly just, you know, having nice character moments and a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of dancing. And um, <laughs> then the act one ends with them basically getting to this hotel, uh, which is owned by this adorable, like just kind of I don't know how else to describe him like like billionaire who's just like endearing he's very endearing and sweet sweet. and he immediately has eyes for Daphne as soon as like Mm -hmm. the girls arrive at the hotel and once they all get to the hotel too I Joe becomes convinced that you know he wants to try and like shoot his shot and get with sugar cane. And the way that mm-hmm. this happens is, he, well, well, actually he wants to go to Mexico. Like that's the, the other thing that it should be mentioned oh, yeah, here yeah. is that they're like, yes, we'll go with this band to San Diego. Cause San Diego is right across the yeah, border right across from the border Mexico. We can jump over and, and jump over. Yeah. 
And so like Joe's like, I'm going to leave. I'm going to Mexico. Bye. But he's, you know, dressed as Joe and he bumps into Sugarcane and like they immediately like hit it off. And Joe already knows Sugarcane. And like, I, I don't know how to explain Like it could be played creepily, but it somehow works where he's just like, oh, he starts pretending to be a German. It's not a good thing because he's a liar. Like, that's the other thing. Like the movie, right. the, the show sets up that he lies about his age constantly and that kind of comes back to haunt him in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. But like uh, uh, he pretends to be a German screenwriter uh, shooting a film at the hotel knowing that sugar is attracted to film people uh and it it is not it is duplicitous but he wants to stay as this german screenwriter to try and win over sugar cane and this basically ends in the first act with him going to the show that they are playing that night at the hotel dressed as this german screenwriter Mm -hmm. not in the show and uh also with the realization that um the the mafia has found them. <laughs> like yeah, the mafia yeah. knows where they are. Also, uh, so just one small thing too is like this incorporates more of the um, is it the FBI or just like the police that are the after FBI, them? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So that that ends up being more of like a ticking thing that yes. is less so in the film. The film it's like they're at the beginning and then they're kind of at the way end. But this one sort of you know I think it does a good job of like putting pressure on them more of just like here are the stakes, like here are the people that are chasing them. They sort of periodically remind you that this is what's chasing them at any given moment. They can't just be willy nilly about it. They do have uh, a clicking, t- a ticking clock that's going to, you know, blow up at some point. Yeah. That's a side note. I just want to say like the, the, especially with the first act, the momentum of the show is fantastic. And it really does feel mm-hmm. like, like nonstop the, between that and like the scene changes and the writing, it just mm-hmm. kind of like has like this really fast, like forward energy that I really, really yeah. liked. Like, but anyway, so that's the end of act one. Um, the billionaire asks Daphne out dancing and yeah. Daphne does not want to go for myriad reasons, but like the rest of the women also want to go dancing. Yeah, well, just her. like you got a billionaire friend that like wants to take us all to Mexico. What the fuck's your problem? Let's do this shit. Yeah, let's do this. And, uh, you know, it's, and he's it's, perfectly it's another... content to be like, yeah, bring them all along. It'll be fun. Like, I'll just go to Mexico with like 85 hot chicks, like just yeah. fucking on my shoulder or uh, on my arm and shit. It's awesome. Yeah, he's like the most fun dude in the world, and 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 Daphne. I think a lot of it is also just like grappling with the, um, I guess the confusion and insecurity of of as as she is Daphne. She realizes like this is where she's happiest to be, and that is like scary, you know, to also yeah, yeah. put yourself out there. So that's going on. There's it's the same in the movie, but like the the billionaire also has a yacht that uh, Joe mm-hmm. kind of co-ops to take Sugarcane yeah. out on a date with, and. There they go, and they have a cute little date where they bond some more, and he kind of has a good time with sugar without her drinking in it, and they have like this really great big like uh, Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers mm-hmm. type or, or Fred, you know, like thing going on, and it's all very cute and sweet and wholesome. And then in Mexico, after all the other girls have left, uh, the billionaire sings this really sweet song about you know it's called Mariposa, just butterfly, about like how he himself has had to hide his things about his personality or identity. Right. right. Like, so, cause like he is half Mexican and like has always taken on this mantle of this one identity as this billionaire, but this is also who he is. And people, you know, so it's, it's again, this is a reoccurring theme of just like, yeah. you know, people not accepting you for who you are in this world and having to be somebody else, you know, and having yep. to, you know, that sort of thing again. So that happens. And then, the mafia finds them. Yep. Uh, also, it's revealed that Joe and Jerry never really has like the reveal as like they're they're just Daphne yeah, for the rest of it. Not in a way that like it forgets that, but just kind of like the other characters have come. Oh to yeah, yeah. Daphne. There's not like at least to the to the to her to their suitor, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or they they do they do take the scene that's very famous at the end of the movie where 
um, Jack Lemon is like, you don't understand. Like your mother's never going to love me. But he's like, that's okay. And he's like, well, I'm a man. And then at the end, he's like, nobody's perfect. perfect. And like, that's how it ends. And they do kind of bring that back in where Daphne's trying to reveal who they are to this person. And then they just sort of like, whatever, it's fine. Like they don't do it. Like nobody's perfect. They don't make it a gag. They sort of link to that. That like yes, like the that uh, um Oswald yeah understands what Daphne is putting down on the right, table right. and 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 loves loves her for them. Love um, is love for that. Love is love. Yeah. Uh, but Joe's revealed and Sugarcane's like pissed off. But uh oh, the mafia's here and yeah. like. Uh, and then so there's like, this giant fucking Benny Hill sequence where they're like it is ins- running is through doors. It's really yeah. crazy, actually. I gotta say, I don't think I've ever seen anything like that on stage to that extent. Bonkers. Like this bonkers like six minute tap sequence that is also mm-hmm. a chase scene that is also your classic screwball hallway yeah. scene where everyone's, you know, going to different rooms and coming out in different outfits and, mm-hmm. you know, trying to hide from one another. And then, you know, all's well that ends well. It, it the, the movie is slightly differently. Like they end up going to a giant mafia convention. <laughs> right. Everyone's <laughs> gunned down and they come out of a fucking cake. Down. <laughs> but that is not that is not included in this. This is just a big chase scene uh, where they finally the FBI finally, you know, lands uh, spats. And, you know, Joe's not afraid to, like, tell his truth and testify against him. And also, you know, tell Sugarcane that, yes, like, I know I lied to you and I'm sorry and blah, 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 blah. And all's well that ends well. What happens is that Daphne decides she wants to stay with the Sweet Sue and the Society Syncopators and that Joe and Daphne are going to go, or uh, Joe and, sorry, Sugar are going to go to Hollywood together. But also it turns out that Oswald wants to open up a club for them all to perform Perfect. in so they can all stay Worked together out. as like a big happy family. And also yes. that ends well. And that's, that's some like it hot. The, the, the biggest bit of fiction in this is that there's a nice billionaire who is willing to do stuff for <laughs> right. other people and is accepting of others and not actively yeah. trying to destroy everything that they stand for and ruin their lives. I know. I'm um, just like way too succession pilled right now. Yeah. Where I was like, that could never happen. Or just like uh, reality pilled I guess at this point where I'm like sure right. uh, gotta say I, I, I saw it so I saw it with a friend and neither mm-hmm. of us really knew anything about it besides like that there were some book changes and that they were going to you know uh, do different things in exploring gender and even race with it but like outside of that I knew like nothing hadn't seen any of the songs or listened mm-hmm. or seen any clips from it or anything like that and I gotta say man I had a really good time and yeah. I also saw it with like uh, so I saw a Wednesday matinee and it was filled with school trips like it was just nothing but middle schoolers and high schoolers and they were living for every I've never (laughs) seen an audience that engaged in a Broadway show that wasn't like the closing night of it because they were just going you know at everything and just like oh my god cheering at everything and clapping at everything and it was just like so much fun to sit and see and I've, I've had like a really weird month so it was nice to see something that was just like that fun and affirming and just well done. Like this, I mentioned that the sets were gorgeous, but they are like, there's just really cool. They're not like so much, but like, they're just, they're just enough that you're like, Oh, this is a big ass Broadway show. And I love it. Like the train sets really cool. There's like this really neat kind of like, art deco proscenium that's kind of there for the whole show and kind of is like the background, but like, yeah, it's, 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 it's really well done. Sorry. I'm like, I'm like cheese right now in my brain. Cause I just had no, such a no, fun it's, time. It's, a, it's one of those things where like, if you set a musical in the 1930s and you put mm. it in the art deco yeah, period, right. you're just going to always have cool sets and great costumes. Like there's just, that's just like, you know, a fact like water is wet and yeah, right, right. <laughs> you know exactly. I mean? You're just kind of like, it's always going to look good. There's a reason why this kind of shit keeps coming up is because it always looks grand and fantastic and beautiful. So can't fault them for that. Yeah. So like when I went to see it, I saw it with Sarah and I think my initial take of it was like, oh, it was entertaining. It was like a fun, mm-hmm. you know, it was a nice little romp and it was, it seemed very, it seemed kind of, I mean, if safe's not the right word, but it didn't seem like that controversial to me when you watch it. And I think after the fact, I realized I'm like, oh, that's actually what's really interesting about it is that it's like this 
Trojan horse of a story that kind of like takes this thing that you're very familiar with and all these tropes that you're familiar with in this film that's a classic and it sort of slips in this sense of humanity to this character in a way that doesn't beat you over the head and it sort of is like you don't even realize that it's happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you're like, oh, well, I guess. Oh, OK. Oh, yeah. OK. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and if, I think if, that's if, like a it's like a trick almost like a yes. You don't even realize that it's happening at the time until afterwards. Not not that you'd necessarily go in with like, you know, ill intention of it. But you're like, oh, it's actually a little bit more complex than I realized because you're distracted by all the beautiful colors and sets and costumes and, and the familiarity of it. But then it kind of plants the seed in you that sort of, you know, it tends to grow a little bit the longer, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the longer the time has been since you've seen the show. And I think that that's a really hard thing to do. And I think they did it pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. I think the movie is a great movie and it's like a really fun subversive thing for when it was made and how like the, the way things play out, but also it is not aged well. And that kind of comedy, you know, is really hard to pull off in a way that I think this show does. Cause like, mm-hmm. like I mentioned earlier, but Broadway is, not had a not great recent like track with this sort of thing like with like Mrs. Doubtfire the musical and Tootsie the musical where it is inherently about like laughing at men in dresses and Mm -hmm. like that element is there in some like it hot the movie and but like you know this is that was 1950 what and this is 59 yeah. yeah and this is 2023 and so like I get when people like I know there was like a lot of like um I guess trepidation about this being turned into a musical and I can never Mm -hmm. invalidate anyone's feelings about how they feel it or if they would want to see this show. But I actually was very surprised by how like sensitively it was done while still keeping it like this madcap lighthearted comedy, like, Mm -hmm. but just like fully, fully invested in expressing like, no, like, so, so if, 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 if Jerry slash Daphne does enjoy wearing like feminine clothing as, 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 as is the case with the movie, but it's played Mm -hmm. for laughs. Like, what if we play that sincerely and, you know, don't, I don't know. Like there's, there's something else that I think that is really, really clever about it that um, Amber Ruffin and Matthew Lopez's book does, which is like, it walks that line between being nothing but like very 30s style humor. Like a lot of the jokes are like knee slappers and like, yeah. <laughs> like there's, there's like a lot of groaners in it, but like, I love a groaner and I'm just like, love like, we're a just like, love a good dad like, joke. Oh yeah. Time. There's a lot of, there's a lot of dad jokes. There's just like a lot of like corny, like, um yeah, like vaudeville style humor in it. And like that's where like the humor is in it and and, and, Mm -hmm. in being a throwback and like where that being like all the laughter kind of is and not about it being about like oh it's guys and dresses but like about you know two people kind of understanding what engaging in femininity brings out in them is 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 really fun and again it's also meant to be a comedy so it's not like this particularly deep version of that like this is not like the smartest show ever made that that, that's what's good about it also the the joke that they keep making about i think it's joe where they just keep being like you're not your age, like you're fucking old. Like, it's yeah, the joke yeah, they keep yeah. making. Because I will say, like, the, like when I was reading, like, people's like takes on this and and how it does gender in this, and people being upset about like Joe being constantly made the butt of jokes because of their looks, and I, I like that's what I was like, kind of like, oh, going into about like, I wonder how that plays out. And the thing is, is like, oh no, people are cracking jokes about his age from the beginning of this, <laughs> yeah. like even before like they're in it. It's just like, and also he lies about it, and it's just like. Yeah. Yeah, like it's just so it's and like this whole show is about him getting called out on his lies while meanwhile Mm -hmm. Daphne is actually out there living her truth, as the kids would say. So like, like, yeah, like for me, I was like, okay, I could see I could see how someone could walk away with that reading. But for me personally, I I don't think that was the intention of it. And I thought it was pretty funny. And I think thematically, like it's really like you said, like somebody living their lie or their truth is is really what it's about. Right. It's about. Yeah. 
what did he say? Dramaturgically, what's really interesting about it? <laughs> Dramaturgically, yes. <laughs> Is that it doesn't necessarily feel um, flippant. It feels like they took these characters and they put them in this situation that you can understand why at the time that they they're basically doing it to like stay alive. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And and one character chooses to double down on this lie repeatedly by going. It's almost like an inception thing where they're like, first, they're going to pretend to be a lady. Then they're going to pretend to be a fucking screenwriter that like is a billionaire and is like he doesn't actually like learn anything from it through this process. Like he's not really self-aware of it. And then the other character is sort of like by virtue of being put into this position where they have to live a lie, they understand a truth about themselves. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's about playing these two things against each other. And it's about like, it's again, it's truth and honesty. It's like, do you accept the truth when you're, when you're uh, faced with it? Or do you sort of like tend to dig your heels in and, and make it, worse and deny it. And I think that's like a really interesting theme to play off of each other. And that's and they're both embodying these characters is a thing that I thought was really nice. And yeah, and that's that's that's, your you put that in a way so much better than I could have. I was like, how do I (laughs) articulate that? But yeah, yeah, that was like my takeaway from it from like if if you have to like break down again, what is a very lighthearted comedy into like really, you know, deep truths like that is what this show is for me, you know? Right. And and that's sort of to me what I thought was what I was mentioning like earlier about like this Trojan horse thing of like they took this property that's very familiar and that people are Mm. already, you know, people are like, Oh, it's a classic and they know it and they're familiar with it. And it, yeah, the smart thing about any, we've discussed how we feel about certain remakes. And I think in this case, I mean, I guess it's not a remake, but it's like the adaptation of taking something that's sort of beloved and putting it on Broadway. I think in this case that I don't necessarily like love all the songs, but like it makes sense the way that they expanded it and chose to add songs into it. And I was like, okay, this makes sense. Like the road trip part of it, like really pushing into uh, leaning into the aspect of like, it's a fucking all female band. They should be having like a bunch of fucking songs that they say, right. Right. All that is like, yeah, okay, that makes sense. And then also using something that's very familiar as a way to introduce something that maybe people who go see a Broadway show like this, because I think this is really geared towards older audiences. I would say like, it's, it's a very boomer show. It's very like geared towards like boomers are the people who are going to watch this and be interested in it and like really relate to it and like have something going into it that maybe like a younger audience didn't necessarily grow up with this film, but would, you know, have, have as much attachment to it. But I wonder, you know, I, I think about this a lot, right. In terms of like how you sort of slip in something into a show or into like whatever you write to like get people to sort of understand or accept something that maybe they don't necessarily come face to face with. And I think it's, it's interesting to use something like this as a way to introduce an idea of somebody being, you know, non-binary or mm. gender fluid, or I'm not entirely, they don't exactly like land on any specific. There's a line, I believe that like Daphne, uh, Jerry has where they're like, I might be Daphne today. I might be like Jerry tomorrow. Yeah. Like, something to that effect. But, um, yeah, 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 yeah. They never, they never quite land on it, but like, it just puts the idea out that, that like, that's, that's gender baby. <laughs> like, like, like right, that's right. Chicago baby. Like, um, <laughs> I, I think like it's, it's interesting that somebody who's older could go see this movie and they already have like a frame of reference for the sure. story. And then maybe they'll be like, huh, you know, like oh, may- think about it that way. if nothing else, maybe they'll like, if they meet a, you know, a uh, fluid person or a non-conforming person or whatever, and they'd be like, they can reference, you know, fucking, you know, Daphne in this. And then I don't know, maybe, maybe that's delusional of me thinking that like that'll ever happen. But I, I do think that like, that's an important thing. That's the kind of thing you hope for when you write something is to like change hearts and minds, but not beating it over the head with beating people over the head with it, but getting to sort of like subtly slip into their subconscious. And I think this, I think this might do a good job at that. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. I think that <laughs> it's, it's that. And I think that also like, um, 
Amber Ruffin and and Matthew Lopez and really all of the creative team clearly really love Some Like It Hot as a premise. So it's not like right. they're just like, we're just taking this and like changing it entirely and, you know, doing something that like every like Fox News, like right wing like person like fears about, like where they're just like, they're just crabbing me for Richard, changing everything that I like, you know, and it's like, right. no, dude, they clearly really love this movie and like see, see the well, value very, very in it. Crucially, and- they don't also go the opposite way of it either. You know what I mean? They don't tend to like make it into like a like they allow you to just enjoy the story for what it is and experience the journey of this character which i think for the audiences that are like i said that are more likely to go see this that that will be a thing that they will understand more rather than being like did you know that like people are being persecuted like having like a monologue at the end of it where they would have just necessarily checked out i think which again i don't think that's like a bad thing inherently i just think like the people who would this is geared towards will probably be more receptive to it because it's based on the journey of this character that they're familiar with and sort of like recontextualizing it. There's also just like, I, I think with any minority group, a lot of media about pain and like suffering. Right. And this is not a that story. This is a yes. fun, romantic, madcap comedy that happens to have, you know, a lot of really dense things put onto it, but done really like subtly and really, really well. So yeah, I, I you know, like it was funny to me because I was thinking, we haven't done the producers for for a few reasons, but like the producers does not tackle anything terribly deep. I will put that mm-hmm. out there in the way that even this does. I don't, I can't say it's as big of a cult uh, as a classic as some like it hot, but it definitely is a cult classic. The movie it was like one of my favorite movies growing up, and um, you know, turning it into a musical was just kind of like okay, okay, interesting. But like all the elements are there. It is a show about music and and <laughs> you know theater, and also it kind of takes like it just nudges around with different like things like time period and 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 and, and genre, and it's like it's still loves the movie mel brooks worked on it so that also helps too but like yeah it, it, it loves the movie but it blows out the things that are more funny and interesting now in this was like in 2000 2001 i think than yeah. they were possibly in 1968 when that film was made but yeah I, I it reminded me a lot of the producers in that sense and like that same kind of like joy and fun and just also again like you said you said anything in between like the 30s and the 50s <laughs> like people eat that shit up like that is just like and that's what it is and I think of, of, of a lot of the bigger criticisms I've seen of it is just like it's just doing what people love and you know what maybe that <laughs> maybe that's right, fine. Which, which, which is a fair criticism it's just yeah. like that's what I'm saying is that like the slipping in of this other thing to me is like that's the that's the crucial that's part sets, of it that's, imp- that's yeah. what makes it important that's what makes it sort of interesting um, yeah. in a way that if they hadn't done that, it would have just been like another retelling, but it's like, no, it's, it's, I, I'd say like the big thing of this, uh, ironically, considering how extravagant and beautiful and bright it is, is, like it's, it's understated. It's very like, it's subtle. It's a, it's a very small thing, but it's a crucial thing Yeah, that at least for, you know, me, I thought was, it was cool. Maybe, maybe if you're like on the forefront of like, you know, media that's progressive, like you'll be like, this yeah. is fucking boring, but like, that's yeah, not yeah, the yeah. point. That's the whole thing is that like, this is meant to appeal to like a mo- the most broad audience yeah, and introduce a different idea to them. At least that was my takeaway from it. No, I, th- I think that's similarly where I am and I can't dictate how other people will feel about like this, but I thought it did a really good job of being both funny, a great homage to the movie, um, a great update of the movie itself. And also just a really, yeah, like smart, sensitive way of introducing things to your grandma <laughs> probably right, would be right, like, exactly. we're seeing some like it hot as a musical um, I was also in New York the day the sky was bright orange Instagram right. filter because of the, the Blade Runner wildflowers day. it was it was a very like strange day but it was nice to have a thing like some like it hot and to see it with like again because this is a show for like yes it's geared towards the blue hairs for lack of a mm-hmm. 
more mm-hmm. sensitive word there, but um, seeing it with like a bunch of young people, just like enjoying the shit out of it. It was like yeah. so much fun. And I got to see it with a really good friend of mine and like, it was just a nice, nice thing to have had. So thank you for that. So I get hot. And um, across the board, all of the performances were so good. I mentioned this uh, in the beginning of this um, act, but just like, the amount of people who are out there that can like tap and sing and do Jesus. all that shit at the same time and play <laughs> instruments is like upsetting to me. Like it's hard for me to get out of bed, you know, like and brush my teeth, let alone, you know, do that. So just like, damn, like I just, I, I just love theater people. They're fantastic and great and wonderful. But, um, everyone in the cast is fantastic. Uh, Jay Carlson, Guy, they are fantastic and up for a Tony. And I think Christian Borle is as well for a lead performance or right. Christian Borle might be lead. Yeah. I, they're both, nominated for a Tony this year. I think along with uh, Adrian Hicks, who is the um, sugar, uh, who's the main performer for sugar, but she was out when I saw her. So I did not get to see her. I like, there was not a single performance I didn't enjoy that. I didn't find very fun that I didn't find, uh, didn't lean into what like the, the what all of this was. It was just mm-hmm. around the boards tense. So just wanted to put that out there again. Same with the pit. Fantastic pit. The, some yeah. of the music, I think my only criticism, criticism of it is that some of the music gets a little repetitive by the second act. It does. Um, yeah. But that's like really my only main thing, you know, that I took away from it. There are some bangers in it, but like the second act, I think, is a little. It's it's trying to get in well, a lot like, of so for as far as this musical goes, this, the music is like you know so so, but yeah, the rest of it, the rest we of it, <laughs> I think most of the music is really really good. But I, I think the second act kind of like has a lot of eleven o'clock numbers in there, like you know this like the kind of ballady slow like what am I doing kind of number, and like I get it because they're invested in kind of like all three of the mains and want to have them mm-hmm. all have some perspective about what this is, but it does kind of like lose a little bit of steam but then that like last big tap sequence happens and you're like oh I don't get what the fuck was I thinking about this is amazing yeah yeah like <laughs> the biggest great. part of it to me is like it's not even a song it's literally just them fucking tap dancing and running yeah. out of the room for six <laughs> like minutes and you're like, you got gangsters it's like wild. tap dancing I can't, I can't overstate how fucking crazy that is you're just like how long did it take to rehearse this how I, are you not dying of think. a calf cramp how many bananas yeah. are you eating in between <laughs> right. each one of those <laughs> How many bottles of Gatorade are back there? Like putting in the Gatorade gels. It, it is a lot. Like, and like, and it kept going. Like it was one of those things you're like, surely mm-hmm. this is, they're going to find a, a, a way to end. Like they have to end this. Right. And it keeps on going. You're like, damn, I think it's like six minutes long. I was reading somewhere, which doesn't seem like a lot of time. But when you think of nonstop tapping and there's again, the sets are moving crazy. There's it's intricate. It's a very intricate piece of choreography uh and set work and it just keeps going and going and going and it's all it's funny the whole time like it's great the whole time but i'm just like that it looks so fucking exhausting i have to imagine being in that show that once you're through that part you're like okay great (laughs) yeah so do we really have like no huge criticisms of this no i I guess not i was like it's not as boring for that's as interesting for the listeners i feel like i'm supposed to be like oh i hated it all i think i'm sorry you guys it's just sort of like it's just kind of a solid thing that was interesting and had like a, a nice take on it. And it was yeah. you know different. And I'm like, I don't know. I don't really have. It's kind of, it's not as interesting to listen to, I'm sure, for this episode. But I, I'm like, I, don't, I, I mean, but honestly, I'm like, I don't know what to say. I don't really I'd yeah. rather just leave it at that than try and come up with something that, um, you know, might be bad and, and explode. But honestly, I'm like, yeah, it's like it's really straightforward and it works and it's yeah. really not bad. Yeah, it's quite it's quite it's quite a solid piece of entertainment. And I really hope it gets to tour so other people can enjoy it because I, I, I had a good time. Uh, and I, I do like think that'll be a great place for it is touring, just like not just having this audience that's kind of built into New York that is, you know, immediately 
sympathetic or in tune with what's going down. Again, this is not yeah. like the, at the forefront of progressive media that talks right, about right. gender. But that said, you know, like I hope it does get a life uh, on touring, if only for that reason alone, uh, just for a, to reach a wider audience. But um, yeah, I, I don't really know if I have any other notes uh, besides it also made me want to go see more shows. I was like, damn, Broadway has been like <laughs> fire this season. What is that ever a problem for you? I, I know. I know. I know. It's just been like I've been kind of in like a rut where it's like I'd only been seeing like, oh, I guess I'll go see Phantom before it closes for the 8000th time again. But also like just now you're like, there's other shows I could have been watching this whole time. <laughs> this whole time. What? there was theater. No. Yeah. No. No, no, but just like I've just been kind of like I felt like out of the loop for the last couple of seasons of of, of theater and have really been enjoying what I've seen thus far. So, um, yeah, just if, if, if you can make it swing it, go see a show, go support a real, show. real quick. Obviously, this is a harder question for you to answer because you haven't seen everything. But this is like the most nominated for the Tonys this year. Is that right? Do you yeah, think it, yeah, it is. merits that based on past Tony experiences and what you've seen and stuff? I think, again, like, to compare it to like the producers or something like Hairspray, which, again, mm-hmm. is by the same creative team, it, it kind of has like that all like that complete package or like the drowsy chaperone, like of just being like this kind of big, fun light. But like it has a couple of like either really dark things in the case of the producers, like dark, mm-hmm. subversive stuff like Springtime for Hitler um, or in the case of like um Hairspray talking about social issues like it has like all those packages that I think I'm like yeah like or all those components rather that I think Tony mm-hmm. voters are gonna be like that should deserve to win you know and yeah um any other thoughts would be good no I mean uh, you were very kind in saying that I articulated something well so now I'm like I'm like George Costanza I'm just gonna be like <laughs> all right <laughs> that's it for me I feel like I yeah. shouldn't say anything else if I, <laughs> if I got that for you if I keep talking I might fuck it up yeah just say no um, more you've, you've you've gotten you've you've had your moment in the sun you lived laughed loved you got all the words out <laughs> in the right order and I, as someone who could barely put together a sentence i applaud you and this is what happens you guys when you think about theme and you write to theme theme yes. is a good way to write stories uh, if you can figure out what your theme is uh, and then compare and contrast it anyway uh, i'm sure you guys who are listening have thoughts please let us know you can tell us on twitter we are at musical Splainin' with no g and on Instagram, we are musical splaining with a G. I am at Kavitaharian on Twitter and at Permafriends on Instagram. Additionally, I am going to be at San Diego Comic Con in a few weeks. Um, if you are planning on going to Comic Con, please come see me. I will be in Artist's Alley. I'll be selling new books. I will be selling stickers, prints. I might have some gifts for people who are fans of the podcast, as I tend to do. Um, but come say hello. Come come take pictures with me and tell people that you and were there and let me. He's Andy been working know. his ass off for this <laughs> this new book. So just just go support Cave. He's great. Thank you. Um yeah. Uh, I don't have anything to plug besides I'm Angelina. Uh you're great. Ian, and I yeah, I am me as you are he as you are me, and we are all together. I am uh Y Angelina Y on Twitter and Angelina underscore S E E on Instagram. As always, I love your theater anecdotes, your funny stories, the weird funny things you guys tweet at me about your musical theater stuff. So yeah. Um share it with all of us but uh thanks thanks again for listening and yeah, yeah don't forget we have a patreon yes. uh it looks like we probably have some fun things lined up that we're gonna make some announcements about oh yeah 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 there's 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 yeah. there's there's a couple of interesting ideas in the works um, yeah um we have you know our live streams that we do once a month we continue to write this insane story um that's a choose your own adventure um where angie writes and i draw and yes. it's, it's absurd um it's fun check yes. it out Yes. Um, if you haven't signed up for it yet. And of course, please check out our sponsor links and um, subscribe and write good reviews and tell your friends and family and nemeses and people yes. at the coffee shop and random yeah. people on the street about our podcast. Even if they don't yeah. have a phone, buy them a phone, get them a plan, allow them to download Put them on your family plan. 
Just invite them into your home <laughs> right. to listen to yeah. the podcast on repeat. Have a new best but, friend. You got you got yeah. a new best friend because you made not on speakerphone. Buy them headphones no. as well so no. they can listen to no. it so it doesn't pull the ear. <laughs> Public service announcement. Uh, but yeah, sharing is caring. And uh, if you have a friend who likes musical theater or hates musical theater, I think this might be a podcast for them. Perfect. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, perfect. That's it, baby. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, guys, thanks for listening. We'll see you at the next one. Next one.